all authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of Short Nonfiction for Authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively, and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. Authors, I hope you're all keeping well in whatever part of the world you reside and listen to the podcast in. Today is a loner episode from me. I'm going to be sharing information about digital lending rights, DLR, for our books in relation to public lending libraries only. I've already done an episode on educational lending rights and public lending rights, ELR and PLR, back in episode 18. And I wanted to talk about and expand my understanding and yours around what digital lending rights are, what is being done for authors being able to claim these rights, and what we can do to help this cause as authors. Now, I reside in Australia, so most of what I'm discussing is information and status based here, but I believe it to be the same worldwide and as discussed in episode 18. Some countries are starting to implement PLR and ELR payments through public lending library. It's my understanding that no one is currently receiving DLR payments from public libraries yet. And so that's the topic at hand today. So in my author adventure this week, school has resumed so all the parents can breathe again. I've been still been busy feeding information through to my website designer and that's all starting to come together nicely. As we're gearing towards the end of October, I am fully aware there's only two months left of the year and I'm starting to think about what I want to have finished before then. Effectively, what I don't want to drag into next year. I'm starting to think about you know, this 2022 as a whole and what I have achieved this year and I plan on kind of looking back at all that and that's why I really love podcasting as it's been, as it is, providing me with a platform and a chance to look, you know, look back to these things on my author adventure updates and, you know, they've been acting as a sort of recording of my progress or unprogress, if the case may be, so I'd be able to have a look and see what I've done and what I haven't done. Not that you need a podcast to reflect. In fact, I invite you to take a pen and paper or open your phone to notes and think about what you have done so far over this year. What's the things that you have achieved that you wanted to achieve? Even the small things, whether it was attend an event or learn something from an author talk or, you know, pump out that first draft or publish a few books. What is it that you have achieved? And if it's not quite what you hoped for, then start thinking about why. Why didn't you hit those goals that you wanted to if you had any? Reflecting on things not done can be just as good practice as, you know, reflecting on things you did do because, you know, you can realise your capacity and, you know, you don't have to feel bad about it, but good because you've you've recognised things and going forward you'll be able to set realistic achievable goals for yourself and sometimes that's important, that's just as important as setting realistic goals as well as, you know, aiming for the skies. It's good to do both, I think. <laughs> don't aim too low. <laughs> So if you love the podcast or any of episodes has helped you further in your author career, 
You can now pay it forward by buying me a coffee over at www.buymeacoffee.com slash thehybridauthor. Or you can leave me a review on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on to help other writers like you discover the podcast. Let's all support each other. So that's enough from me. Let's crack on with the loner episode. Digital Lending Rights, DLR. As I've been formatting my two short non-fiction books for authors, Freelance Writing, Quick Tips for Fast Success, and Author Fears and How to Overcome Them, into digital products, ebooks and audiobooks, DLR is on my mind. DLR is currently in debate with governments, public lending libraries, and creative organisations about whether it should be a thing or not. Because when people borrow ebooks and audiobooks from libraries, instead of buying them from online stores, effectively it is the author and or the publisher who are losing money on sales here. Digital is becoming a popular way to consume book content, especially since the pandemic shut down library services. People turn to online lending. Online lending services are fantastic. You know, they serve people with mobility issues or disabilities. I mean, we're also facing a generational issues where if it isn't online, it doesn't exist type of thing. Whilst in the past, ebook and audiobook lending from public libraries was fairly small, it's now starting to become quite a big market and it's only growing. I just want to say that I am a fully fledged supporter and I'm extremely passionate about public library systems. I have spent much time in libraries myself as a young child and taking my own children there and now I work there sometimes as in doing my own work using it as an office and I I did all my studies there and they just run such amazing programs. And besides bookshops, libraries really are the mecca for authors. Libraries are filled with passionate community workers who love books and are readers. Authors write the books, publishers publish them, and librarians work amongst and distribute them. These three professions go hand in hand, and we all need to support each other. So if you aren't sure what the role of a public librarian is, you can educate yourself further by listening to my interview with author and public librarian Emily Paul. That was episode 34 on what the role of the public librarian is. And we discuss who buys the books for libraries and what happens to the old books because millions of books are getting printed and published each day. There's thousands of authors, well, trillions, and uh, one library doesn't have the capacity to hold everything. So what happens with those books? How we as authors, probably independent authors, can get our books into libraries. And we briefly touch upon PLR, ELR and DLR in that episode. In a nutshell, ebooks and audiobooks are digital products. Digital meaning data and or computer technologies. They are files stored on your computer and wherever you decide to publish them. Think about the online stores you sell your ebooks. If on Amazon or other platforms, you upload your digital file, someone buys your ebook, then they receive that file. It's theirs to keep as they've purchased it. Same as the likes of Audible or other audiobook platforms. You buy an audiobook you receive the digital files for that audiobook to listen to. This too happens with print, which is physical copies of your book to hold in your hand. But the difference between print books being borrowed in public libraries to digital books being borrowed could be vast. Libraries own what is called a collection. This is all the books which make up the library. They may buy one or some print copies of your book. You get a once-off royalty payment from your publisher, if traditionally published, or from the library, for the book being purchased, if you are independent. 
A library member then borrows your print book from the library and then you also receive a PLR or ELR payment every time your book is borrowed, pending certain rules which episode 18 goes into in greater detail, such as you need a certain amount of your books circulating in libraries and, and you need to be registered, whether you're traditional or independent. The library has a system which shows how many copies they own of your book, who has borrowed it and when the book is due back. That's the way public lending libraries work. This too is true for digital copies, ebook and audiobooks. For these formats, libraries have what is called a license to purchase these files. They have to purchase or apply for a license, and a license is permission from an authority to own or use something. Like libraries buy print books from catalogues, then store the physical copies in their library, they buy ebooks and audiobooks from online distributors who store the files. Like this podcast, I pay for a hosting platform to store all my episodes which then get uploaded to the various podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple. They can't just float around online, they need a place to live. For ebooks and audiobooks, this place is platforms like OneDrive, Libby and Hoopla, which Hoopla only opened up to Australia last year, and these are all US digital material distributors. Borrowbox is an Australian site, you might have heard of that one for the Australian listeners. That's the one I use for my ebooks and audiobooks as well. These sites are where public libraries use licenses to buy ebooks and audiobooks to lend to the public. I'm pretty sure it's one license per book. I spoke to a collections and purchasing librarian about this as I really wasn't sure how the system worked overall and I believe that what I'm quoting from this librarian, although it was you know from Australia and my local library, I'm assuming it's all across Australia and maybe worldwide. So in my mind libraries can only lend the amount of print books they have out but then digital files can be loaned to many users as it's a file which can be sent multiple times. Take my free author pass, which I have a landing page set up online where people visit and sign up to get this PDF file and the information that's contained in it sent to them. And as many people who sign up for it, it's there and the, and it just keeps getting sent for as many people who sign up for it. So I would say the same is for ebooks and audiobooks. But if this, if this was to happen with ebooks and audiobook files through pub public lending libraries, then effectively authors lose money because these people are borrowing it for free rather than buying it. So the librarian I spoke to did say they had a holds queue and a cap of the amount of ebooks and audiobook licenses they buy for each book. So 10 copies of an author's book, then only 10 copies will be loaned at one time. But this comes back to the debate around whether authors should be receiving money each time their audiobook and ebook is loaned out. I think in the past, this is the way it's been. It's just been getting loaned out as many times as possible. So all of this that I'm talking about may seem simple to some, and you might be aware of how the library systems work. But if not, and you are an author selling your books to public libraries, you need to understand how something works to help you better understand the system, which in turn is knowledge gained valuable to your book business to make it better, for you to stay up to date with the industry, and the DLR matter at hand. I've been in the publishing and book scene for years and it's only now that I'm venturing out into releasing my work that I am starting to become familiar with these terms and seek to understand more of what they are about as at the end of the day, these payments all add up to a good author income. So why wouldn't we want to fight and stand up for our right as authors? But we'll get to that soon. So I believe the current situation with DLR is that no one is receiving it worldwide. 
in terms of public lending library rights for ebook and audiobooks. I watched a debate online, I think it was on YouTube, which I'll include links in the show notes to everything I researched, everything I found. Uh, there was also this overview of European European e-lending in public libraries PDF, which was pretty interesting. So I'm going to read a couple of snippets that I took from that. And again, the links will be in the show notes. E-lending is defined in EBLIDA terms, which stands for, I think it's the European Union Dutch Library Association, as making a digital object available for use for a limited period of time and not for direct or indirect economic or commercial advantage. Despite the progressive development of the e-book offer, Libraries still encounter many difficulties in implementing e-lending. Those difficulties are of a variable nature, legal, technical and financial. For some expert librarians, e-lending is mainly considered under a legal perspective. It is the recognition of the derogatory status of digital library transactions in relation to copyright laws and the legitimization of open access practices through customary fair use. On the other hand, the judgment of the Court of Justice of the European Union in the case opposing the Dutch Library Association to the Leenrecht Foundation, I hope I'm saying that right, case C174-15, made an important step towards the development of e-lending in libraries. The CGEU ruled that library lending of e-books is analogue to the lending of printed books, as long as books are lent in the one-copy-one-user model. As soon as one reader returns an ebook, a second reader checks it out, and so on, with no expiration date. They may therefore be included within the scope of the Directive 2006-115 of 12 December 2006 on rental right and lending right, provided that authors at least obtain an equitable remuneration. Any legal reflection around e-lending should therefore resolve about two principles. Any legal reflection around e-lending should therefore revolve around two principles. On the one hand, the principle of free access to information, which is essential for the functioning of libraries, and on the other hand, the principle of appropriate remuneration to authors. In legal terms, a balance should be found between citizens right to use culture and content in a way that facilitates their individual educational and cultural development and the requests made by right holders. This balance is what Iblida calls sustainable copyright. E-lending conjures up a sphere of transactions analogical to book lending in traditional library business. Borrowing e-books, however, is different for at least three reasons. First, e-lending transactions are based on business practice, on business practices and economic models that are different from the lending of physical material. Libraries access e-content, they do not own it. Second, even the notion of e-book is misleading. Since e-lending transactions may concern e-books, e-audiobooks, e-newspapers and materials included in e-media platforms, audiobooks in digital form have become a major vehicle of literary consumption. In the Danish country profile, for instance, their circulation in libraries fairly outnumbers the number of e-books. Third, when undertaking comparative analysis, do facts and figures related to the e-book trade only refer to literature and content in the national languages or also to cultures other than national? So you may or may not have found that interesting. I certainly did. And also watching that debate as well, it was interesting what they're all discussing. It's, it's not that straightforward as obviously the print lending, but they are making headway 
into you know being fair all round supporting libraries but supporting authors as well through lost income of the works going and obviously being lent out by libraries. So what's being done for authors to start receiving DLR payments for the digital formats of their books? Well, in Australia, the Public Lending Right PLR and Educational Lending Right ELR schemes were established in 1975 and 2000 after successful campaigning by the Australian Society of Authors, the ASA. Now, many of you, if you listen to the podcast regularly, you might have caught my episode with Jodie Spiteri-James on uh, ASA mentorships. I'm also a member of the Australian Society of Authors. They're an organisation which fights for authors' rights and they offer great opportunities. I recently done a pitch it, a competition, like pitch it thing through them and that gave me the chance to meet a publisher and get my work sent to them. So it was opportunities given and I just really think they're a great service. So the ASA are on a mission once again to introduce and implement digital lending rights schemes in public libraries. They are currently fighting this cause for authors not to lose out on monies for their creative works being purchased, but instead borrowed again and again for free through library systems. So here's what their organisation is doing so far. Citing from the ASA website, I will provide all the links mentioned for this piece in the show notes because there is a few, as well as all the other links. So what's the ASA doing? Over the last five years, they've had meetings with the Office for the Arts, assisting their investigation into the case for digital lending rights. They've surveyed ASA members, had discussion with the Australian Publishers Association and communicated with libraries about increased ebook loans. The outbreak of COVID-19 made the case for digital lending rights even more compelling. When libraries closed, patrons increasingly borrowed in ebook and e-audio format and will possibly continue to do so into the future. We believe that increased investment in digital resources and new borrowing patterns may have a long-term effect on the way patrons interact with libraries. In April 2020, they wrote to the Minister for the Arts, Paul Fletcher, requesting that expansion of PLR, ELR to digital formats be made a priority. And the Minister responded in August, committing to monitoring the situation. In October, the ASA called on the governments to prioritise digital lending rights in the ASA's submission to the Federal Inquiry into the Creative and Cultural Industries. That's also a link which will be provided. And in February the following year, 2021, at the public hearing for the Federal Inquiry, ASA CEO Olivia Lanchester, along with authors Nick Earls and Melissa Lukashenko, I hope I said that right, appeared before the Standing Committee for Communications and the Arts to call for the expansion of PL and ELR to digital formats. Now these are some very well-established authors that we have backing up the ASA and fighting for authors' DLR rights here. In October 2021, the report on the outcome of the Federal Inquiry into the Creative and Cultural Industries was released by the House of Representatives Standing Committee of Communications and the Arts. In November 2021, campaign ambassador Nick Earls and Marcus Suzak called for a much-needed expansion of the Australian lending rights schemes to include digital formats in an article published in The Age, which is called It Buys Me Writing Time, Authors Call for Library Ebook Compensation. In January this year, 2022, the ASA made a pre-budget submission to Treasury, continuing to make a case for increased government investment in literature in the 2022-2023 budget. With the development of a Commonwealth Fellowships and Grants Programme for authors, the ASA requested a 20% increase to the federal government's lending rights budget to fund the expansion of the PLR and ELR schemes to include digital formats, which would modernise the schemes and reflect the reality of library holdings. 
The ASA have continued the call for a funded extension of lending rights in their submission to the National Cultural Policy consultation process in August 2022. So as you can hear, the ASA are writing letters to higher power. They are attending meetings to fight for the cause. They are constantly, you know, it's been ongoing since 2020 helping to fight for DLR payments for authors. So what can you do as an author? You can share the ASA's DLR campaign with your social networks or just networks in general and help raise awareness for the issue. It is an important issue. You can also write to your local MP to request the expansion of the lending rights schemes and they provide a sample letter on their website just to help. So even though this is the Australian Society of Authors, even though I'm talking about digital lending rights in Australia, if you are listening overseas, then same deal. Find out about digital lending rights in your local area. What's being done? Is anything being done? If not, what can you do? You can also visit the ASA to get the sample letter. Doesn't matter. You can use that for your own country and, you know, fight and claim back for the work that you have already created and put out there to earn from it, to earn what's rightfully yours. So as I said, all links will be shared in the show notes, so there'll be a fair few. And before I finish up this loner episode, I just wanted to say the librarian I did speak to, she also talked about another system for digital files, which is currently being rolled out by uh, the online distributor Libby. And it's the, you know this model already, it's the pay-per-view model. So like Netflix and Stan and all the other online digital streaming services we all watch for our TV shows, this will become available for our ebook and audiobooks where we can consume as many as we want and every time our digital books are borrowed or read we will be paid which doesn't sound too bad to me this is already be happening with being exclusive to Amazon with KDP for ebooks, I believe. You get a royalty for how many pages are read. This could be different though as I said I've only just ventured out with my ebooks after launching them a while back and kind of redoing them now. More to come on that author adventure in a future loner episode. So there you have it folks, the down low on digital lending rights, DLR. And I hope you help support the cause by effectively supporting yourself as an author and the creative community to gain payments that are rightfully yours for your work. So next time on the Hybrid Author Podcast, we have business tycoon Valerie Koo sharing her tips on building the business of your dreams. I wish you well on your author adventure this next week. That's it from me. It's bye for now. That's the end for now, authors. I hope you are further forward in your author adventure after listening, and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.